And just like that, the MLS offseason is coming to a close, and we are a week away from the start of the 2015 Major League Soccer season. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsip. How's it going, man? It's going pretty well, uh, Garrett. It's uh, the end. We're, we're getting to the end of February, and around that time, it usually means a few things. It usually means mm-hmm. winter's finally coming to a close. It's, things, it's, it's finally starting to get warmer on the East Coast. Uh, the MLS season is almost here, and it's time to, for people to panic about MLS in Tonga Cap Cham- Champions League. It happens every year, mm-hmm. and we're right back at it after Thursday night's result. And yeah, that is DC United, who's coming back from a trip to Costa Rica, where they lost 5-2. to two. Uh, Backup goalkeeper for DC United, Andrew Dykstra, started in the match. Ivis did not have a good game. Overall, DC did not have a good game. It's... Uh, it's one they would definitely like to hit the restart button on. Uh, it was a nightmare. It was, uh, you know, you go down to, to Central America, it's, ne- it's never an easy thing. But uh, for them to give up five, uh, five goals, uh, it was just an absolute disaster. Um, and, you know, the, the the worst part about it is they, they almost came away with a, a result that they could deal with and they could accept. When, when it goes to 4-2 and Steven Birnbaum scores the header, uh, they had pushed so hard for that goal, so they get that goal, and you're thinking, there it is. This momentum's going their way. They're going to feel good going back to RFK. And then a minute later, they give up a fifth goal, and it's just – you want to talk about a gut punch, uh, not only a heartbreaker for them, but uh, such a confidence booster for uh, Ala Walense. And I tell you what, man, D.C., they have to win by three now, and it, I don't want – it's not – I don't want to say it's impossible, but, man, it is – is looking really tough to see them getting past the Alawalense now. Hey, no, you're definitely right, especially to be at home with the momentum. DC still, you know, they're still finding the legs as they're coming out of the preseason. Um, but I, I mean, I was, how much weight can we actually put into this? I mean, we see this time after time, MLS teams at, at this part of every single year, as you said. I mean, it's tough for them to compete against these teams that are already seven, ten matches into the season. I, I mean, is this? I mean, to me, it's a structure of how MLS how the season is actually structured for them when it actually has to start. And until that changes, I think that we're always going to see MLS teams not being able to compete against the Central American teams. You know, I, here, here's what I would say, right? When you want to talk about MLS against a, a Mexican team where it's already a tough matchup, then, I, you know, then you can kind of trot that out because as much as people want to call it an excuse, as much as people don't want to acknowledge the reality of the issue, it is absolutely an obstacle for MLS teams to have to compete in the knockout rounds of the Champions League when they are coming in the, into their preseasons. They're not in – they haven't even started playing the regular season matches yet. I totally get that, and I say it all the time. I always remind people of that. Having said that, when you're playing a team that's struggling in the Costa Rican League, you should not lose 5-2. to two. There's no other way to say it, right? And I know people will point out all kinds of things, like, you know, Bill Hamid was hurt. He wasn't there. Andrew Dykstra, you know, laid an egg. Obviously, he had quite a few bad blunders or, or, or just kind of goals that he really should have had. He should have saved. He should have not allowed. Uh, you can point to that. But you know what? At the end of the day, like, you got if you're DC United, if you consider yourself one of the better teams in MLS, you, you, no, no one's saying you have to go down to Costa Rica and win. But to go down to Costa Rica and get embarrassed like that and give up five goals, it's just, it's just flat out, it's unacceptable. And you know what? Right now... Uh, and for the foreseeable future, we're not going to see a situation where MLS teams can avoid this this predicament of, of being in preseason. We get that. That's always going to be an issue. But the thing is, when you get drawn into the quarterfinals against a team that's not a Mexican powerhouse, that's not a team in Mexico, you should be able to take care of business. And they didn't. And they have themselves to blame. And to make, the thing that makes it even tougher to, to, to kind of sit here and, and, and come up with excuses for D.C. is the fact that Montreal went down to Mexico mm-hmm. and got got a result. So if, Me- if, Mo- if Montreal can do it, then it makes it a little tougher to sit here and make excuses for D.C. MLS teams, Ivis, as we all know, do not do well in Mexico. I mean, for Montreal to pick up a 2-2 draw... It seems crazy to think that you know you can you know you're comparing this to kind of where is this rank on the all-time greatest results for MLS teams in Mexico? I mean, hopefully five, ten years from now, a draw is not something we'll celebrate. But for the meantime, I mean, huge result for Montreal to come away with a draw against Pachuca. Well, uh, if you're just looking at the result itself, 
you could say, you know, good job, Montreal, to go down there and do that, especially when you haven't even started your season. Having said that, when you go up 2-0, you don't want to come away with a draw. And that, that, that's, that's the really the kind of bittersweet part of it. If you're Montreal, you know, you, you really you did a great job of absorbing the pressure from Pachuca early on, frustrating them, catching them on a the counter, uh, putting some chances away. And, I mean, they could have even scored more than two. I mean, they could have had you know, a couple more. Um, but to, for them to give up the goals later in the game, it really puts them in a tough spot because, uh, you know, going home does help you as a team, obviously, but you still have to deal with Pachuca and the dangerous weapons that they have. And, and, and at this point, it's hard to say, Montreal, you could, that you're going to consider them a favorite. Just because they're going home, that doesn't make them a favorite. Um, but as a result, it's a positive result. Uh, you have to come away a little impressed with Montreal in the way they were able to stay organized. Obviously, fatigue hit them, and you could see that they started to fade, right, like around the 60th, 65th minute. The fact that they don't have games in their legs cost them. It really did. Um, but, look, credit to, to, credit to Frank uh, Klopas, and credit to Montreal when you think about the fact that they've been down in Mexico for a couple of weeks now. Now, they set out, they had their plan, they, they, they went down there to, uh, early to get acclimated, and I think it really showed, it, it, it helped them. It, it, you look at the result, it's hard to argue. Meanwhile, you take a team like DC United, who scrambled to get there on like Monday or Tuesday, uh, get down there uh, to, to Costa Rica, so they, they had no time to acclimatize. And, you know, they, they played... Uh, uh, they they played in the in their own pre, you know preseason tournament here and they won they they won the tournament and but you know you ask yourself what where would they have been better off uh, going down to you know Central America and getting adjusted to that environment and you know what I'll say well I'll tell you what hats off to Montreal for the investment because I mean that's that's on them to do that I mean they didn't have to do that their ownership did not have to send them down there for two weeks so and you know what if if they end up winning this series. It will definitely be one of the more impressive results in the brief history of MLS in the Champions League. Also, uh, good start for Dilly Duca. I have his brace in this match. Jersey, baby. Represent all day. But, uh, no, yeah, no. Good stuff for him. <laughs> Two goals. Uh, you know, he, obviously, him and Frank Klobos, is, uh, you know, they, they've had a relationship for a while. And he, he I think if there's a guy who's going to bring bring the best out of Duca, I think maybe this could be the year. You know, we finally see Duca kind of live up to the potential that that he's had for so long so they're looking they're they're in pretty you know they're in well look (laughs) compared to dc they're in great shape right i mean yeah they're much better shape you're going into montreal you're tied to two and you know what if i'm montreal i'm attacking pachuca pachuca they have a lot of weapons offensively they can create chances but defensively they can be beaten uh and that's what and, and that's what i'm very interested interested to see if montreal is really gonna take it to them and uh, you know, and and fly. If they do, then all of a sudden you could have you could be in the Concacaf Champions League semifinals with one MLS team, but no American team. And and you're right. It's I mean the other thing, Davis. Both of these teams are going to be facing a lot of pressure. As we said, Montreal's in a much better position, but I mean they're not out of the woods yet. You know, the one thing that that I could see possibly happening, Ivis, is the outcry of let's say Montreal doesn't advance, let's say DC United is not able to come back. You know, everyone kind of taking out their pitchforks, and you know, once again, oh, MLS isn't advancing in the right direction. The league's not taking a step forward. It just, I, I could see that already happening, Ivis, if both teams don't advance. Yeah, you know, I mean, that happens every year. Every year when we get around the quarterfinals, even when we get to the semifinals, whatever at whatever point all the MLS teams are out. That's when the talk starts about MLS and is it going backwards and, and and whose fault is it that MLS isn't winning the whole thing yet and and you know generally when it's MLS losing out to uh, Mexican teams and getting eliminated by Mexican teams you kind of all you got to do is point to, to to how much money's being put in I mean Mexican salaries uh, team salaries for Mex- the Mexican clubs are just nothing like you can't even compare it to MLS even with designated players but when you have situations where and and looking at this particular tournament, I mean, uh, they changed the format around for the Champions League. When you want to talk about the group stages, they they set up three team groups in the group stages, uh, and, and so you know they really set it up for MLS teams to avoid Mexican teams. And you would have thought MLS teams would have been able to take advantage, and and and, we, and MLS could have put uh, you know four four teams through, and that didn't happen. I mean, mm-hmm. you had. You had the Portland Timbers couldn't get the job done against uh, against Olympia City Olympia, 
uh, you had Sporting Kansas City. They couldn't get the job done against Saprissa. And then, obviously, the New York Red Bulls, you know, they got knocked out by Montreal. <laughs> but what I, what, 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 what I do find interesting is, and what, what kind of gets forgotten, is that when you look at the format of the Champions League, uh, once, like, okay, we're in the knockout rounds right now. And right now, if you're an MLS team and you're in this tournament, you're in this tournament because of what you did uh, in 2013. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a long time ago, right? I mean, and and if you remember how things went down in 2013, um, here, who who are the best? Who is here's a question for you? Who are the absolute two best teams in MLS last year? LA Galaxy and Seattle Sounders, right? And who were the who? What two teams were not in 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 the Champions League in this this current Champions League tournament? LA Galaxy, Seattle Sounders. Right. And even if you want to go take it a step further and say who's the third best team, New England. New England wasn't in the Champions League. So right off the bat, you're you're talking MLS in this particular school round. It did not have the, its three best teams. Right. So there you go. Right off the bat, you're behind the eight ball. But then MLS. Its weaknesses shine through in the different uh, stages because if you're an MLS team and you're in the and, and you're competing in the Champions League, but you're also locked in the playoff struggle, a team like Sporting, two teams, the two teams that were eliminated that didn't make it, Sporting Kansas City and the Portland Timbers, both of them struggled to get into the playoffs. Actually, Portland didn't make the playoffs, but they were fighting to get in the playoffs. So MLS teams don't have the depth, and again, that you can definitely you can you can. Uh, criticize MLS for that for them needing to spend more money to get to, to establish deeper rosters and stronger rosters but the way it's set up now teams like those wind up having to make that tough decision of you know allocating resources to the playoff push in MLS and maybe de-emphasizing the Champions League and what happens you get teams getting eliminated in the group stage and then once you get to the you get to the knockout round you can have a team like DC United uh, and Mon- Montreal and DC United are your MLS representatives, and it's uh, you know at the end of the day, they're don't, neither one of those teams is, is realistically the, a top three team in MLS. So it, it, it's a, it's a lot of it's gonna, all that's going to sound like a lot of excuses, but that's just the reality of it. MLS has to do better. They have to get better. They have to get deeper. They have to spend more money to establish deeper rosters. Hopefully, the new CBA can can work toward that. Uh, but having said that, people who who, want, who are going to panic and go crazy about the fact that MLS didn't do any better and actually they're going to probably do worse this tournament than they did last tournament, um, you can't just ignore all the variables. You can't just ignore the fact that the knockout round scheduling benefits Mexican teams, benefits Costa Rican teams, and hurts MLS teams. You can't just ignore that. And you also can't ignore the fact that the way the format's laid out, the MLS's best teams aren't necessarily in the tournament because it's MLS and there's parity and the best teams change from year to year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do think it's a little crazy that LA and Seattle are not even in the Champions League right now. And that, I mean, or they weren't in this, this go round of the Champions League. Uh, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Here's a question for you. Who was the worst team in Major League Soccer last year? Montreal. There you go, and here they are in the Champions League. <laughs> exactly, and and the and the thing is, DC United, uh, what to, when they qualified for this Champions League, they were the worst team in MLS, which is kind of crazy. Oh yeah, that's now, right. They, <laughs> they're not the worst team now, but look, at the end, they had a bad. You know what? They had a really bad game. They didn't have Bill Hamid. They had Andrew Dykstra in there, their backup. Although you could definitely point out the fact that hey, they traded. It was their decision to trade Joe Willis to Houston for uh, Andrew Driver, a player that they cut. So, you know, they, they chose Andrew Dykstra to be their backup. They sent Joe Willis away. They could have used Joe Willis on Thursday night, no doubt about it. So I, I found it funny when some people were like, it's MLS's fault that there's not debt. That, you know, it's MLS's fault that DC United is starting Andrew Dykstra in goal in a game like that. And it's like, no, it's not their fault. Yeah. It's, it's DC United's fault for trading Joe Willis away because if they had Joe Willis, he probably does a better job than Andrew Dykstra. Yeah, he, Andrew, just, Andrew Dykstra just had a... Uh... He had a he had horrible, a, he had a horrible he had, game. He had a soccer, and you know what? I feel I kind of feel bad that I pointed that I you know called out Birnbaum on the last goal, but I mean, you know, he did. He had he played his part. I mean, he he a bad a bad clearance went right to them, sparked the counter, and he got caught ball watching a little bit. And and when you think about the goal he had just scored a minute earlier, I think I, you know what Birnbaum was probably still on cloud nine. He was probably still kind of like, man, I scored that goal. I mean, you know what? Can you almost, you know, you're, 
you're almost in the fog. And it's it's like they always say, right? You're almost, teams are always most vulnerable right after they've scored. And it was never more true than it was in Costa Rica, unfortunately, for D.C. United. Yeah, well, both teams have a... Uh... I'm sorry, well, DC United has a mountain to climb. Montreal, not not so bad. So, I mean, I, I guess we'll see what happens. It'd be nice to see one MLS team advance to the next round. It, this isn't this isn't going to be a year for that. This isn't. Uh, you know what? Here, here's here's what you, you, you'd like to see, right? Hopefully, for the next cycle, uh, you have MLS teams that are that are you know a little stronger for for the next tournament. Uh, when you have teams like Seattle. Uh, LA that you know they're really strong right now they should be really strong next year as well so you know we'll see if uh, we'll see if maybe the 2015 uh, 26 tor- uh, team tournament is finally the tournament where we get it uh, we see an MLS team in the final the, uh, the teams next for the next one the the, the the five MLS teams in the next CONCACAF Champions League are the Galaxy the Sounders DC United and Real Salt Lake and 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 Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver. Vancouver's in as the Canadian. Vancouver's a pretty decent team. Uh, they could they, we could see them improve next year. So uh, I, I actually think even though RSL is think is taking a step back this year, but yeah, I, I think is, I think MLS. What I'm looking at that is is Real Salt Lake the worst? I mean, I mean, I don't want to say the worst, but they I think the other four teams are all stronger than RSL. I don't know if Vancouver's stronger than RSL. Yeah, mm. but. Eh, were you bailing on your team? The RSL's not my team. I'm just saying, I, was, I think, no, I, think check, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna be a step coming, back. Once the check, when the, once the checks stop cashing, it's all different. I see how it is, man. Hey, hey, we'll do our season preview next week, so we can break all that down later. Absolutely, but I, but back to the point. I think the next tournament will be better for MLS because I think LA and Seattle are two teams that are are built for being able to compete on multiple fronts. And if you're Seattle, you know you won, you won the cha- you won the Open Cup, you won the champion, uh, you won the Supporters Shield. Obviously, you still want to get MLS Cup, but you know they're going to want to go after that that Champions League next year, and they could they they could make a run for it. And this Sunday, Ivis Major League Soccer will resume its labor talks in Washington. It's going to be a little bit interesting this time because Real Salt Lake owner Del Loy Hansen pretty much labeled free agency as a waste of time. Discussion. I, I was, what is he doing talking to the media and saying things like this? He should not have said that at all. Well, I don't know if we should say what he should or shouldn't say, but it was definitely a head-turning moment, and and not because it was a surprise that he felt that way, and it, that's and it's not. It shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody that an MLS owner feels the way that, that Hanson feels. I think we all accepted that that's how they feel, that that's their position. But the fact that an owner actually came out publicly and put it out there just provided kind of a very harsh reminder of the fact that they owners are not going to budge. They're not going to budge. And, and, and I think, you know what, as much as there's been, and I, and I've been saying it for, from day one on the, anyone who listens to the show regularly has heard me say it from day one. I just never saw the, the the players getting that concession. And as much as there's this whole buildup of oh, we're going to strike, we are ready to fight for this. This is going we. This is what we want. It's all you know. Part of me is it, it, there's been two thoughts, two two schools of thought for me on that. One is you know they're playing that up because they know they can't get that, but maybe they can position themselves to get other concessions, and so they make the hard sell on on free agency and then once they once they kind of concede that that's not going to happen they can ask for other things in, in its place the other school of thought is maybe the players just don't get the fact that they're not going to win that battle and just because they threaten to strike doesn't mean the owners are going to shake in their boots and give them everything they want mm-hmm. I've never th- i've never seen that happening and i see it even less now honestly just because everything that we hear and everything that we see i mean there's we, we've seen recently now uh, figures uh, on how on what the union's war chest is in terms of uh, the money they have collected to pay out players during a strike. It's not a t- it's not that much money. Exactly. There's obviously talk about uh, you know are players going to back it back this play? Are all the players going to back this play? Are the star foreign players going to back this play? The the guys making the millions, guys like Giovinco uh kaka you know like are you know frank you know frank i, I don't know if lampard's even on the payroll yet but uh, you know david via uh are all these guys behind it that's that that that's what is going to be really interesting because i know 
everyone in there and their uncle has has trotted out the the Stephen Caldwell comments because he's like the one foreign player who's spoken out publicly and said how unified the players are but they might feel unified right now but it, it it's all it all it's all falling games until the checks stop coming mm-hmm. when reality hits there and once the checks stop coming and once uh you know the insurance stops working uh that that that's uh, that's when things get real that's when it gets real and and i and I don't know if the players are ready for that, and and I know they might feel they are, but it, I, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's a very big week, uh, obviously in negotiations. I think. I mean, I, I hope I hope players get some some serious concessions out of it. I hope this doesn't this whole song and dance wasn't for just wasn't a waste, complete waste of time. Uh, and I think they'll get some concessions, but I just, free agency it's just not going to happen. It doesn't. No matter how many players threaten to strike over it. No matter how, and no matter how many people write how it's un, how it's un-American to keep free agency away from players, I would love for I would love for the league to have free agency, but I'm not going to sit here and say the league absolutely must have free agency or it's it's un-American, it's, it's criminal, uh, you know, all this and that. You could, I I just I'm not going to say that. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting week. I'm concerned you're not American, Ivis. If you're not going to say that. No, I'm just. I'm, 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 I'm now questioning your uh, patriotism. You go right ahead. <laughs> I don't really, but, uh, but no, but see, it's, it's, it's fine to want something, and it's fine to believe somebody should have something, but it's a completely different thing to say that it, that you know, it's criminal for them not to have it. And yeah. I, I, I don't. I, I won't go that far when it comes to creating. Look, look, as we as we always talk about, the league is. You know, it's technically the age of a, of a kid who's in college. The league is still continuing to grow. I mean, the players know what they know. I mean, they, I'm sure they're not sitting there pouring over every team's budget and and what they've spent and what they brought in. And to me, it's 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 a situation, Ivis, where ten years, fifteen years from now, the players may have a little bit more power. But right now, the power's in the owners. They're the ones with the deeper pockets. Well, the players don't right. have the deeper pockets, well, and the owners can the owners can sit out. They they can wait. They 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 right. can hold out longer than the players can. Exactly. You can't you can't get into a, a, a that kind of pissing contest uh, when the other guy's holding a really big hose. You can't. Exactly. You can't. You're not gonna, <laughs> yeah. You totally. You totally. totally That's good. Totally, I like that. That was good. But, but no, look, here's the thing, right? I know people point to the other sports, right? They say, oh, but NFL has it, NBA has it, baseball has it. Like all these American leagues have. But you know what? Here's my question: How many of these leagues had free agency in their first twenty years? In the first thirty years, how many leagues? How many other leagues? Not many. Not, I think most. None. I don't know if any. I don't know if any. Uh, I don't think any. Wasn't did. the, wasn't the NBA like in the eighties? I think is when it kind of started to get going. Right. I mean, I think most of the agency started to turn the corner. You know, you had Kurt Flood obviously in the seventies in baseball, but but I but by then baseball had been around seventy years, right? Uh, so, yeah. uh, and in the NFL, you know, in the last what twenty years, so it's just it's i don't think people are looking at it from a proper context because it's not like it, it depends on what you think right if you think the league is making millions and millions and millions and the owners are backing up brink trucks full of cash and making all sorts of money then you, you can see why people say oh hey players should be able to play forever they want they should be asking millions left and right the owners should be able to pay whatever if that's what you think that that's just not the reality of mls 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 is not making that sort of money. They're not making uh, their TV deal is not the Premier League's billions. Their TV deal is not the NFL's hundreds of millions of dollars. It's not on that level, and uh, and when and the other streams revenue not on that level. Now you could argue Soccer United marketing makes a pretty penny, and you know what about that money? How is that money uh, factored in? But then you could also argue, well, that's the players don't don't work. That's not the players' thing. They don't they don't uh, contribute to that. So that's a whole other thing. But my thing is this: I don't think there's going to be a strike, and if there is one, it's probably going to last one week, maybe two weeks. But anyone who thinks it's going to be this month, month, one month, two month, three months, half season, the year gets lost, a la the NHL, I don't see that happening. Well, there's no way it could be like the NHL. I mean, when the NHL strike happened, I mean, the best players in the world played in America. They had the opportunity to go overseas. It's not like the 20th guy on a major league soccer roster is going to have many options to go overseas. And- and play, uh, but I was—I mean, what's going on here, dude? It sounds like you do not have the players back. <laughs> well, last time I checked, I'm not a part of the players' union. 
I, I'm also not an MLS owner either. I'm not have, I'm not trying to have the owners backs either. I'm just kind of trying to look at it practically. And while I'm not necessarily buying the owners' claims that they're losing hundreds of millions or however much they're claiming to lose, I mean, I, 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 I also look at it and say I don't think they have quite yet hit that point of being this just you know overflowing with money uh, situation. You know, and also the, to consider. You have owners that 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 have built the league who who have are are really in deep in losses right now. If you're an owner, right, and you've been in the league, you know, 15 years, 20, you know, 19 years. If you've been in there from day one, or if you're, you know, you, you put your 10 or 15 years in, losing millions year after year after year, and it's and and I don't know how anyone could argue that that's happened because that absolutely happened in the league's formative years. If those owners are trying to get some money back from on their investment, if they if they're recouping some money in, in in this then you know you i don't know how anyone could blame them having said that if the if if and when the league gets to the point when it's really raking in the dough when it's really making uh tv revenue and we're not just talking about the national deal we're talking about local deals we're talking about each team being able to sell its tv rights i mean as far as i know you still have teams that pay you know pay to get on the air or or, or or sign really bad TV deals just to make sure that they still can get on TV. We're not at a point yet where the league's twenty teams are all fighting off, or, or uh, you know, f- taking hordes of bids uh, from TV stations wanting wanting MLS contracts with the local clubs. We're not at that point yet. Once we're at that point, once every single team is generating their own TV revenue, once you know turnstiles, are, once stadiums really are full. In places other than uh, Seattle and Portland uh, and Kansas City, once it, it once it really starts to get fully healthy, you know, then you know what if you if you're the players' union, then you have a lot more, uh, you have a you have a, a, a stronger leg to stand on than right now, which the league mm-hmm. is doing well in a lot of ways, but at the same time, anyone who thinks the league is is perfect right now and and, and it's breaking in billions is, is sorely mistaken. Uh, well, moving over to the uh, U.S. men's national team, Robbie Rogers, I have about a month ago, his book made claims that he's reached out to Jurgen Klinsmann repeatedly and Jurgen Klinsmann never responded to him. Now Robbie Rogers is saying that he and Jurgen are talking. This may possibly be, hopefully, you know, if you're an LA Galaxy fan or a fan of Robbie Rogers or think he should be part of the U.S. men's national team, I'm sure you're going to be happy or elated at that news as you may want him to compete in the Gold Cup, but... Um, I mean, Ivis, uh, good to see Robbie Rogers and Jurgen Klinsmann talking again. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it, I'm not completely surprised by that. Uh, it's funny because I remember one one day when one of the days I was out at training uh, with the U.S. Uh, U.S. team, you had the U.S. team on the field training, and then you had Robbie Rogers right outside the tunnel talking to some media. And when you looked at that, you said, "Well, hell, like he's right there. Jurgen is right there. It's going to be kind of hard for them not to cross paths here." And you know. They, they, there just seems like no way they can't run into each other, and if that's the case, they they have to talk. There's no reason they shouldn't talk, and you know I know there was I know there was that kind of sense of of, of you know did Jurgen shun him? Did Jurgen turn his back on Rogers because he was gay? And there was this whole subplot that uh, kind of inferred because of obviously because of Robbie Rogers' statements as far as uh Klinsman and him losing contact right after he came out or you know as he told him and then he didn't hear back from him. uh it's good to hear that they're talking uh I mean it, look if Klinsman shunned uh, or didn't refuse to talk to Robbie Rogers that'd be a pretty big big story because it would uh, the implications of that would be pretty serious especially given their history uh the history of their friendship so it's good to hear as far as for the national team uh, there's not a ton of natural left-sided players to choose from. And, and you know, Klinsman, let's not forget now, Robbie Rogers scored the goal in Jurgen Klinsman's debut for the U.S. national team. Seems mm-hmm. so long ago, but he was there. Or did he score the goal or did he set up the goal? It's such a blur now. I, the, he either scored it or he set it up. I think I remember Breck Shea being involved. Uh, <laughs> it was against Mexico, uh, August of 2011. Man, time flies. That's already almost four years. Crazy. But... You know, Rodgers has been there before. Klinsman knows him well. Klinsman needs left-sided players, whether left back, left wing. And Robbie Rodgers, he's shown himself to be versatile, and he's coming off a pretty good, uh, you know, good year with LA. So uh, I think he, he, if he can play as well as he played in 2014, Klinsman has to take a look at him. 
Uh, Robbie Rogers scored in that match, Ivis, in the 73rd minute. Yes, he scored the. There you go. He scored the equal. He scored the goal in Klinsman's debut, and I think that is pretty. Interesting. You have a memory. Uh, also, Breck Shea with the assist. Yeah, well, you, you have like a memory of an elephant, man. You remember like every single detail of every U.S. Well, Bennett's game. It's not every game, but you know the games that you were at, you know, and, and and the memorable moments. I mean, let's not forget now that is Klinsman's first game after the whole Bob Bradley firing, and it's like that first impression day, and it was USA Mexico. The stadium's packed, uh, and it looks like USA might lose. And then Robbie Rogers comes out of nowhere, scores that goal, and it was like, whoa! Like you know, so those kind of moments stand out, you know, uh, stand out for you. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I remember the most random things, man. I was watching, uh, I was watching the uh, the Montreal Pachuca game, and I'm watching Pachuca and their goalkeeper, and I'm looking at the goalkeeper. Like, Wait a minute, that's Cone- that's Conejo Perez, uh, former Mexican national goalkeeper. He's 42 years old. He's still playing. He was the starting goalkeeper for Mexico in the 2002 World Cup loss to the U.S. And I was at that game. I was in South Korea. And and I remember that. And I thought, I was like, that's crazy, man. The guy's, he was the goalkeeper in 2002 for Mexico. Here he is still playing as a pro. Uh, although, to be fair, Brad Friedel was also the starter in that game. And he's still on the bench at Tottenham. So I guess anything's possible. It's crazy. Time goes, time goes by pretty fast, man. It does, man. Tell me about it. Every day, every day, it, 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 I'm reminded more of just how how much time it's flown by. Like 2000, I was I was a, I was a young buck in 2002. <laughs> yeah, it's a long, yeah, long time ago, man. I still had uh, braces and I think spiked hair at that time in my life. Uh, the, the very cool, the very cool late '90s, 2000 look. Uh, I I need to see a picture of that. anybody if, you, if anybody's listening who has any pictures of Garrett with braces, uh, I, I, we we need to talk. So email me. Oh, I also had like the the puka shell necklace that was in when I was growing up. Well, I can see that. That's cool, and then and then like the white shirt with the Hawaiian shirt on the outside opened up for some reason. That I thought that was like the coolest thing ever. That's your bowling. Oh up. man, I know, dude. I, I was I was I was struggling, struggling. We gotta get some of these pictures. Um, all right, time to move on. I was uh, in a in a uh, in a big announcement, which is uh, very cool to see. Sky Sports in the United Kingdom will air Major League Soccer matches this upcoming season. That is uh, two matches a week, plus all the playoff games and. The uh, the All Star Game as well. Uh, I guess that's that's pretty awesome, man. For um, for all the Americans living in the UK and just for you, people living in the UK for them to be able to watch Major League Soccer. Right. I mean, it's a good it's a good thing for the league. Obviously, increase the exposure of the league. And I don't think anyone should be too shocked by it when you think about the fact that you know you have got when you have two legends like Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard coming over to finish their careers here. You know, people over the, people in the UK are going to want to see those guys and. And obviously, there's other stars as well coming into the league. Kaká as well. Robbie Keane's here doing well. Um, so it, it, it's good. And, and yeah, I tell you what, uh, it's funny because there were some people tweeting about this story when it when it came out, and it's like, why on earth would UK people want to watch MLS? That's that's awful. Blah blah blah. And it's like, you know, because MLS is so far away from the standard of the Premier League. Look, no one's saying MLS is near the Premier League, but you know, if you're if you're if you're a soccer fan, if you love the game. Yeah, you, you can appreciate uh, professional soccer, and MLS is not is not like this. It's not rec league as much as the as much as the the non MLS fans. I won't say Euro snobs, although I could. The non MLS fans, the people who thumb who like put thumb their noses at MLS and, and think it's horrendous, and who probably watched one match in the last ten years, uh, don't accept the fact that it's in, it's improved. It, it continues to improve. And, and the star power that's coming into the league, I think, is going to help, uh, especially in, when it comes to things like international presence and international exposure. And you talk about the reach Major League Soccer has outside America and Canada, uh, Ivis, and, and kind of a thing that literally came out of nowhere, the Mexican uh, Soccer Federation backs San Ant- has backed the city of San Antonio as a possible destination for MLS expansion team. It makes sense on a few levels, especially for them to kind of have a semi-home in America. Um, but that's pretty big time, Ivis, for the Mexican Federation to back uh, to, you know, for them to write a letter to Don Garber saying they, they, you know, they back a bid for San Antonio. Yeah, that's what the Mexican Federation needs uh, a home in the U.S. They have homes all over the U.S. I mean, are you kidding? Anywhere Mexico plays, they draw like a sold-out crowd. So they have fans everywhere. It's a, 
it, it's it, it was a little bit of a weird story, but you can understand it, right? I mean, having another protein close to the border is, is can only be a good thing uh, for for the Mexican clubs, and it is it, it cultivates a market uh, even more uh, for soccer that's close to the border and has ties to Mexico. Uh, it, it, I know some people will look at it and say, well, that shouldn't matter. They shouldn't be able to influence it. Um, but no, you know what? That doesn't matter. It doesn't, unless we'll look at that and say, you know what? There's support here. Uh, we have to look at that. Uh, I still think, it, I still think San Antonio is running a, a distant third. I don't know about distant, but they're, I think they're running a clear cut third behind Sacramento and Minnesota in the expansion race. But, uh, I don't think it can hurt to have an entire Mexican federation, uh, backing your bid. And getting away from MLS expansion and heading back to actually MLS news, the New York Red Bulls have hired Chris Armis as their new. Oh, that's. I tell you what, that when I woke up to that news, uh, I, I was impressed. I got to say, I mean, he. For those who who, who don't have the memory, uh, Chris Armis is. Uh, you know, he was a great player in his time with the Chicago Fire and and with the U.S. national team. He was almost a part of the World Cup team in 2002, but he suffered an unfortunate uh, knee injury. Uh, in training camp and I mean he's a guy who would have played a key role in the 2002 World Cup if not for that injury I mean I always remember it's kind of crazy because I still remember uh, he played his last MLS game before the U.S. training camp uh, against the Metro Stars and I remember interviewing him uh, to do a story on just him being you know heading to the World Cup and the whole nine and and you know I, I still remember him talking about just you know you get through this game and you know, you're glad you're healthy, and you can look for you can look ahead and, and start working toward the World Cup. And you know, a week or a week or so later, you know, I think I think it was a torn ACL. Um, but yeah, I mean, he missed out on the World Cup. But we're talking about a great player, someone who people always looked at and said this guy could be a great coach one day. And I know, I know for I know for a fact, fans in Chicago loved him and, and always thought that here here's a guy who could one day be the coach of the Chicago Fire. Never quite worked out. He he moved back east, and uh, you know, as far as I know, he was involved. I think coaching in college, uh, but it's great to have him back in the league, back involved. I mean, I think he's someone who's always been a well-respected soccer mind. And and I tell you what, man, as much as uh, the whole Mike Pecky situation in New York was an ugly thing, fans there obviously hated it. Everyone, I feel like not everyone, but almost everyone in the league was shocked by it. Uh, but having now that they've kind of gotten through that whole haze, when you look at the staff that they've put together, uh, that Jesse Marsh has put together to bring in a guy like Dennis Hamlet, who I thought did well with the Chicago Fire and got a raw deal there, uh, and then to get, uh, bring in a guy like Chris Armis, you got yourself a pretty solid coaching staff. And, I, and, and I'm hearing really good things about how things are coming along. I actually had a chance to talk to uh, Dax McCarty today, and, and he, he just raved about uh, about Marsh and, and and where the team is right now in their in their kind of evolution under their new coach. So uh, things are things are maybe looking up a little bit uh, in with the Red Bulls, but at the same time, I still think they're going to take a step back. I am not at all sold on their defense. I think they're going to have some serious issues there. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. And and uh, a report first reported on sbisoccer.com. Austin Barry Ivis is moving over to the. South Korean League. What do, you, what do you make of this move? Oh, this one was an interesting one. You know, you're talking about a guy, former MLS Rookie of the Year, right? He gets traded to the Union. He, he can't break through there. And I really think the Union dropped the ball here because, you know, you, you have a guy who was clearly a commodity. I mean, he, he, he had put some good seasons together under his belt. He had a pretty good reputation. Now, even if you don't use him, you sh- if you're not going to use him, you should move him, right? And I think, I think they, they really botched uh, the potential trading of the guy. I mean, they, uh, from from what I've gathered from talking to team officials from other teams, there there was definitely interest from multiple teams in uh, in Austin Barry. But at the end of the day, the union asked for too much. Uh, and then when it came down to the nitty gritty, uh, when they realized, look, we have to get rid of this guy, there just wasn't the interest because those teams had moved on. Those teams had made other other moves to to address their their center back situation. So then the union, uh, you know, they missed out on really trying to get something for him. Obviously, they, they he spent time with the Cosmos to, to, you know, try to latch on there. They passed on him. Uh, they, they they decided that, you know, he wasn't a good fit for the Cosmos. And then he moved on. Uh, and now he found this deal with in South Korea. And I know some people look at it and say, what in the hell is he doing? Why is he going to South Korea? Uh, I mean, I don't I don't think it's that necessarily that bad a move for him. Because, you know what, if the options are sit on the bench for a season and not play in 
yeah, with the union or go over to South Korea, experience, have a new experience. South Korean league is not quite, it's not the J league, but it's, it, it's a decent level. And if you can play there regularly and you can make, you know, you can make some pretty good money for a year. It's, I don't think it's not necessarily that bad, that bad a move for him. It's considering his options. Right. So, uh, I, I know it was a head scratcher for a lot of people. For me, I think it's a travesty that the union weren't able to get a deal done because there was absolutely, absolutely interest in Austin Berry from MLS teams, but they, re- they, they, set the bar too high on their asking price mm-hmm. and then they scrambled and then put them they painted themselves into a corner and because of that Barry ended up having to leave MLS. Well, hopefully this works out for him. It's also just going to be uh interesting to see Ivis on the Americans abroad report now South Korea listed for a player. Oh, see so you just put it you just put the pressure on Franco to to have to to have to uh, include him in that. <laughs> it's just it's you know you see your usual list of countries South Korea is going to make you it's always going to stand out. Um, well, hey, by the way, look, South Korea is a great country. I mean, I, oh, I would I, love to go there. I think it'd be fun. I, that in Japan, I, like a month long trip. Oh, well, that's what, yeah. I mean, I spent a month there in 2002 right. and I spent a week and a half in, in Japan and that's it. Korea was amazing. And I, and I, I feel like I've told the story before. I always remember the world cup draw, uh, in late 2001, the U S gets drawn into Korea. And I was honestly disappointed. I'm like, I always wanted to go to Japan, Japan, Japan. All I cared about was Japan. I didn't really know much about South Korea. But I tell you what, the month that I spent in South Korea was amazing. I had an amazing time in South Korea. Uh, you know, hopefully one day I'd love to go back and really sightsee because, you know, I was in full work mode, grind mode. I I mean, I partied, but I didn't necessarily sightsee. <laughs> of, cor- of course uh, you found time well, yeah. to party. I partied every night. Forget about it. I was young. I was like 26. I was uh, or 27. I was eh, 26. Yeah, man, I was living it up, man. I, it was a great time. Uh, but no, South Korea is a great country. Great people, and uh, you know what? He, it's maybe Austin Berry's going to blaze a trail there. Maybe he goes there, uh, he has a good experience, and then he comes back to MLS and uh, with a new CBA. You know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, and and he, if he comes back and plays well, maybe some, maybe more Americans start looking at South Korea as an option. And moving over to the Americans abroad, Hercules Gomez. I have a scored a brace for uh, Puebla in the Copa MX. Uh, Good for him to see him scoring goals. Thirty years old, probably obviously not going to be called up to the national team, but it's always nice to see um, quality players, especially in like Hercules Gomez, performing at, at the top level. Uh, he's doing well. I mean, you have to you have to like that. Uh, he just continues to score goals in uh, his career. He, he it, it, you know, obviously, with some people, when it comes to Americans abroad, uh, it, it, what matters is their context with the national team, and if you're not involved with the national team. People kind of just forget about you, and, and I feel maybe that that's kind of what happened. That's what's happened with Gomez now that he's not really in the national team picture. But I, I don't think that should at all diminish the fact that the guy should be uh, applauded for continuing to produce in Mexico and do well in Mexico. And, and you know, it's uh, it's when you think I, I have to bring it up. I mean, the fact that I mean his career. I mean, he he had pretty much gotten like he was let go by KC. He didn't know what he was going to do. It's 2009. He doesn't know what his future holds professionally. He, you know, he was in a really bad spot. And in the five years since then, uh, it's a little more than five years now. I mean, the, I mean, it's amazing, man. I mean, you can you could honestly make a movie about this guy. I mean, it's it's impre- it's just great to see. And Bobby Wood, I was this, this guy just can't seem to catch a break over the last few months. Uh, he's injured himself, his knee. He's going to be out for for two months. Hopefully, he's comes back to a speedy recovery. Um, but still, I mean, not, not, just for Bobby Wood, man, it's been an interesting three to four months. That's a rough one, right? I mean, he, he he's kind of persona non grata uh, at 1860. He has, you know, he has his struggles with the national team. He works out alone. He scores. He scores for his new team. It's looking good. It's just up and down, up and down roller coaster ride for the kid. And and obviously, you hate to see, hate to see him have a setback. Yeah, you know, I think a couple of months. It's obviously tough, but uh, you know, it, it could have been worse. And and it's good. You know, he he's just gonna have to fight through it. He's still young. Uh, and I, as I've said before, let's as much as he frustrated a lot of people with his misses with the national team. People definitely don't. People definitely should not write him off, and uh, he's still young. He's still got a, a lot of career ahead of him. No, he, I thought he was great for the. I mean, he wasn't great for the national team, but he definitely he looked dangerous out there. I guess he put himself he, in good positions. Minus he, the he, fact that he didn't finish any of those chances, he still did create some chances, though. He 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 did put himself in good spots, and and I think that there's something to be said for that. So 
We'll see. We'll see how he does. And moving over to the U.S. men's national team and looking at the U-17 age group, they kick off World Cup qualifying on Friday. This uh, this age group is, you know, it's a new cycle every, every few years. The U-17s did not make the 2013 FIFA World Cup. Uh, so this year's cycle, obviously, is going to be looking to uh, get the U.S. back in the World Cup. And Ivis qualifying kicks off on Friday. Uh, it's definitely a big, uh, big competition. Uh, I know. Look, I know some people will say, "Oh, it's U17s. What does it matter?" Uh, the reason it matters is because this is a very talented U17 age group. I mean, I gotta say, I, I, I don't. I have not heard this much buzz about a U17 group since the Freddie Adu, Eddie Gavin, Danny Zatella uh, group. Uh, I don't even know what, what year was that. Circa 2003, was it three? 2003, around that time. That group. Uh, had a lot of buzz. Obviously, they, they, you know, Freddie Adu was, you know, obviously he was the, the headliner in that group. But, you know, when you want to talk about this group with uh, Christian Pulisic, Haji Wright, uh, there, there's some serious talent uh, on this team. People want, people are going to want to, I don't even know if the qualifying games are, are being aired, but if you can see this team, you're going to want to see this team. And I know the last uh, U17 qualifying cycle was a disappointment. The team did not qualify, but I got to say, from everything that I've heard and in my conversations with uh, you know people close to that program, this team is significantly more talented and has some real, real top, top-notch prospects. And you know, obviously, we always want to take it easy with the young players. You don't want to put too much hype on them, too much pressure on them. But this group is there's some gems. There's some gems when you when you talk to people about this team. Yeah, uh, you were right. It was the 2013. 2003 FIFA World Cup. You had Freddie Adu, Danny Satella, Eddie Gavin, also Jonathan Spector on that team. Jonathan Spector, Jamie Watson. Uh, Corey Ash. Cor- yes, Corey Ash. Brian Grazier. Uh, random names that were, that were on there. That's what I'm saying. You remember, you remember these things. Young Michael Bradley. I don't know if my, Michael Bradley was a year younger. I don't know if he made the final cut for that squad. But uh, uh, now, yeah, you, well, see, here's the thing. I went down. To Bradenton and spent I, I spent a, a week down there, uh, you know, for my newspaper and did a series of stories. That did, Danny Zatello was, you know, the, the newspaper that I wrote for the Herald News in New Jersey. Danny Zatello was a local kid, so I kind of pitched that as, as kind of the anchor. So, you know, I did a big story on Danny Zatello, a story on the whole U17 program, and I did a story on Freddie Adu. I, you know, I talked to Freddie Adu. This is in like 2002. Uh, before, I mean, this is, he was young then and he, I mean, he, he, he was just kind of becoming a name. He was just starting to emerge kind of on the periphery as this, you know, this young prospect. Uh, and it was interesting being down there. And when I think back to, to, to those, you know, how young those kids were then and seeing them in their school setting and, you know, guys, like you mentioned, like Corey Ash and Danny Zatella and, and a, and a young Michael Bradley, who was like five, four with braces and, it's crazy, man. I gotta tell you, it's it's um, like if, if only if only I took pictures. Back, if, if only we had like cell phones, digital like like we have now. Then. You did have cell phones. Everyone had the Nokia with snake on it, <laughs> <laughs> and you know exactly what I'm talking about. I, I don't remember what. I mean, I had a phone, but I mean, like, I don't think camera phones were a thing then. Uh, but I mean, man, I could just if I would if I would have been able to find the pic, find pictures from that experience. I mean, they would be a gold mine now. Just looking when you just look back on 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 the kids that were in that program back then. Well, U.S. kicks off qualifying, as you said, on Friday. It will be against Cuba. Moving over to the NASL, Ivis, your boy Ronaldo says he's going to play, but hold it, not till the playoffs, which is in November. I mean, come on, it's not going to take him that long to get in shape. I don't know, man. He's yeah, he's been out of it for a while. Uh, I, I mean, you know, who knows what this is, right? Is this a? I mean, we've I think we we've mentioned it earlier. We did, yeah. I think when he first came on, we talked about it, right? Because I mean, there was that there were rumblings about him getting himself prepared for it, but then he actually came out and talked. I think it was after we did our last show and talked about it. He actually uh, did an interview with the I think it was the Guardian in the UK, and he actually came out and said, "Yes, I'm going to play. I have this whole plan. I'm going to." So it's you know what I say this like, I if he's really going to take it seriously, and if he is is going to be able to put himself in in in, a, in really good shape? Then you know what? Why not go for it, right? I mean, he's a legend; he can do what he wants. But if it's going to be an ugly thing where the guy shouldn't be on the field, or or even worse, God forbid, he hurts himself, it's going to be a sad, sad thing, right? I mean, we don't know; nobody wants to see that. 
but if he can get back to, to a point where he can still play and he can, you know, score a goal here and there and show some bursts and show some of the flashes of the legendary Ronaldo that we all love so much, then you know what? That'd be nice. That'd be a nice little kind of little side story there. But I just hope it doesn't turn into a disaster. Well, as we wait one more week for Major League Soccer to start, that still doesn't mean there's no soccer because there is soccer 24-7. And this weekend, we have some big matchups in Europe, specifically in England. I guess you got Chelsea, Tottenham. Then you have Arsenal, Everton. Huge matchups this weekend. Oh, definitely. Uh, there's going to be some good soccer. Obviously, you have the U-17s that we just talked about. Uh, but there are some good tilts uh, over in Europe. And, and, and it's been great the last couple of weeks with the UEFA Champions League going on and uh, seeing like Lionel Messi work his magic, except for the penalty, uh, and and but it's also been crazy to see the 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 Premier League team struggle so badly. I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable. Uh, once again, reminded that for the people who swear up and down that the Premier League is the toughest league in the world, it's one of the better leagues in the world, no question about it. But until the teams start doing better in Europe, uh, it's kind of hard to take any any claims seriously that it's the it's the best league in the world. It's the most expensive league in the world, the highest paid league in the world, but it, it it's definitely not the best league in the world. Well, when you look at the results, Chelsea uh, was able to draw PSG 1-1, but as you said, Manchester City fell to Barcelona 2-1, and then Arsenal just got run over by, uh, by Monaco, which also featured a goal from uh, Berbatov, which that just made me so happy that he scored. No, the best was the post-game interview when they – uh, you know, with the person after the match interviewed him, he says, you know, but, you know, you played so good. He's like, well, we are good. <laughs> <And it was laughs> Dude, he's so great. He said it so matter-of-factly. But it's not just the Champions League results. Even in Europa League, Tottenham got smashed up. Liverpool got knocked out in penalty kicks by Besiktas. Um, so right there, I mean, all, all five teams, like none of the, you know, of the five English Premier League teams that competed in Europe in the last two weeks, None of them won. Chelsea Chelsea was able to get a draw. Chelsea, you like their chances to go through uh, and kind of carry the flag. But beyond that, man, Arsenal was a disaster. They looked awful. It was unbelievable how bad they looked. And the crazy thing is they've had some truly nightmarish draws for the knockout rounds in recent years. And then they've actually played well against these tough teams. They finally get a quote-unquote easy draw, and they get smoked. I mean, hats off to Monaco. They look great, but man, it is tough to be an Arsenal fan right now. Yeah, that game just it it quickly escalated. It just went from like as soon as Monaco scored, and they scored again. It was like oh my! It just it just seemed to come out of almost nowhere when they scored. It's 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 ugly, man. They're 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 not going to recover from that. I don't see it. And those next round of games will be played between March 10th and 18th. All right, Iris, we, we need to wrap up today's show a little early because House of Cards Season 3 dropped, and uh, let's face it, that's way more important than uh, talking to you right now. Well, yeah, we're about to go MIA because uh, that, that's a solid day's worth of stuff. Actually, I can't watch that. I wish I could, but I am neck deep in previews. Uh, we're, we're, you know, The Gold.com MLS Season previews are in full swing. Uh, they've been running uh, pretty regularly, and I'm also obviously working on the uh, SBI season previews. Uh, our, our fine staff has been knocking those out, but you know I have to get them prepared and get them all set up. It's an insane time right now, but it's pretty cool. It's great to catch up with with some of the players and coaches from around the league uh, this week, and uh, you know getting a chance to talk to some of them in the last few days. It's fun. Uh, we'll see if the season starts on time. I got to say right now, the since I like the feeling I get. If you're asking me what I'm putting my money on right now. I think the season's going to start on time. I think there's going to be a, be a deal struck Thursday, uh, you know, 11th hour. They won't get free agency, but I think they could get other concessions. I think we'll see, a, obviously, I think we'll see a larger cap, significantly larger cap. And maybe we'll start seeing some, you know, veterans uh, figures. I know in the past I've said veterans minimums might be a might be something that, you know, they that the players want, but then they regret. But I think that's something maybe the owners will, will have to – We'll have to reconsider, and they'll have to definitely uh, kind of back off on that and concede that if they're not going to give in on free agency. Well, we'll see what happens on Sunday when uh, when both parties come together in Washington. Yes, we will. Now, Garrett, before we wrap up the show, I have to ask you: uh, Do you do you own a pair of Yamas? No, I do not. Okay, because you know. I'm sure you heard about the reports out of the Phoenix area of these llamas running loose, or llamas, as the gringos call them. Um, and uh, so, tell me, so where, what is Sun City? Where is Sun City? And 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 did you did you hear about it? Uh, I heard about it at three o'clock this afternoon, 
Um, and Sun City used to be like a retirement place for like really old. <laughs> I say really old people. <laughs> it's a retirement place for senior as citizens. Opposed to, uh, retirement place for young people. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's like it's it's literally in like in the total total outskirts of Phoenix. It's kind of like on the edge of Phoenix almost. Gotcha. I mean, okay. if you're if you're hip, you don't live there. Oh wow! You just crapped on everybody who lives there. Apologies to all of you who listen who listen to the show and have. They're all there. over seven years old and drive golf carts all the time. They're they're just living life. How do you, have, yeah, we can have the we, we can have some listeners who are in that demographic. Come on, man. Well, I'm sure they're not living it. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think our listeners in that demographic are like on a beach soaking it up with on the beach. Yeah, you know some some significant <laughs> other that's like you know 40 years younger than them, and they're and they're rich. I like to think that those are our demographics for that age group. They, this is true. This is true. It was a weird day, though, man. Between the the the, the, the they called it the hashtag llama drama. Yeah, you had that, and then you had the whole white dress versus blue dress fiasco. I know you stayed away from it. I managed to stay away. I, I like completely was oblivious to this until like eleven p.m. I think it was past midnight already where I was. Uh, we won't get into it too much. I'm sure if you're listening and you know what we're talking about, you already hate the whole thing because you've probably already chosen the side. Long story short, it, it's there's no right or wrong. It's how your eye processes the the image. It's I, I I retweeted a very good article kind of detailing the whole thing. So give if you're if you were if you were racking your brain about this whole situation, uh, please go check out the, the story I retweeted and 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 hopefully that'll put your mind at ease and make you reconsider the possibility that you're colorblind. Yeah, don't look on Twitter. I did because then there's all these like different variations of the dress. I think it kind of ruined it for me. Yeah, uh, someone had like a red and green one, and then when I finally saw the original, <laughs> by the time I saw the original, I I felt like it was yeah. too it was too late at that point. It's, yeah, we, our, everybody's life will be better once we move on from this that that whole thing. And I apologize to everybody for even bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> slow slow news day, Ivis. It is very slow. It's a slow news. No question. Yeah. Uh, okay. On that note, <laughs> I'm going to let you go. Anything else we need to talk about before we uh, close up the show? No, that's it, man. Just to get, I, we're we're gonna try to knock out a bunch of shows next week. Uh, Frank, uh, Garrett, and I this weekend, we will hopefully get our, e- our Eastern Conference and Western Conference previews uh, recorded and banked, and have those ready for next week. We're hoping to line up some coaches. Uh, we're in conversations with some coaches to get some coaches uh, for our for our preview shows, and uh, hopefully we can in, in line those up and and get you all ready for the season that we are hoping starts next week. Yes, you and I aren't doing anything this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be quite nice being being able to uh, record. Dude, we're gonna tomorrow. Next week's gonna be a good week. It's gonna be a good week for the SBS show. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, sir. I'll be on my way to Orlando on Wednesday, uh, heading down there for for that op- uh, hopeful, op- hopefully the opener that, uh, at the Citrus Bowl. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, 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 you get a sense that there's a real buzz in Orlando, and I can't wait to get down and check it out. Yeah, it's going to be fun to uh, be able to watch that one next weekend. Next crazy, man. Season starts next weekend. It's going to yes, be awesome. Sir. It's going to be awesome. All right, Ivis. Well, I'm going to let you go. You have a good night, and, uh, and, I'll, and I'll speak to you over the weekend. Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. That is Ivis Galarsep. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBI Show.